So uh, earlier, uh, Patrick came up and played a game. Maybe you've played Balderdash. Have you played the game Balderdash with it and you have the definition? I'd like to start this morning with a similar version of that game, but instead of doing definitions, what I want to do to get us going is uh, I'm going to read you some news headlines and we're going to play Balderdash, okay? You tell me if these really happened, if they're true stories, or if they're not really true stories, okay? You got the idea? We're still going to do the, if, if, you, if you like the true, then you woo, and if you like the false, then you woo, okay? Got it? All right, so... We're thinking true or false. Here, here's the first story headline. Two people are hospitalized in Edinburgh, Scotland, as a result of a contest to see who could eat the world's hottest chili. All right. Like chili, like a bowl of chili, like soup, okay? If you think that was true, let's hear you. If you think that's probably not true, let's hear you. Yeah, I got a, one person thinks I'm a liar. It's a true story. You guys got it. All right. According to the Telegraph uh, newspaper, emergency services were called to Kismont Restaurant Curry Eating Challenge. I think we got a picture, maybe. We got a picture up there. All right, so here's the thing. Uh, and that's the picture of them. It was actually in the newspaper. Um, uh, here, here's a little piece of that. One participant, Curry Kim, if her name was actually Curry Kim, that's awesome, uh, was so ill after sampling the Kismont Killer that she had to be taken by an ambulance to the Royal Infirmary twice in a matter of hours. Today, the Scottish Ambulance Service said that it wanted the restaurant to review the way that the event was managed. <laughs> Please. All right, so you got, a, you got a good one there. Okay, second story. Here's a second story. Firefighters mistakenly pump jet fuel instead of water. If you think it's true, let's hear you. If you think, if you think that's a big lie, let's hear you. Sadly, that's a true story. Check this out. According to one article, and this is all over, but I, I got this from the, the Huffington Post. In late October, a training exercise in North Bend, Washington went seriously awry. Yeah, that's a, this is a training exercise, so that's not someone's house, but still. Uh, according to uh, the UPI investigators, believing that a malfunctioning oil water separator, that's for you, George, an oil water separator may have been uh, uh, malfunctioning. Uh, the practice of using the separator to, fill, to filter water from the fuel allows the department to recycle water used for training and has also been successful and imp implemented by other agencies. Fortunately, no one was seriously injured in the incident the two firefighters did seriously, uh, did have some serious burns. You got to be careful with those oil water separators, man. Those things apparently are really important, and I don't know why there was jet fuel in the fire truck. Apparently, I don't know. This is actually a scene from the video footage. So, like, it's like that truck sprayed jet fuel onto a fire. All right, because that's why it's training. They're like, and that's what you don't do. <laughs> all right, all right. Third story. A retired Air Force sergeant attached a stolen rocket booster to a 67 Impala and launched himself into a mountainside going 125 miles per hour, leaving a three-foot crater. All right, so dude straps a rocket to his Impala, launches himself into a mountain. If you believe it's true, let's hear you. Some of y'all have no faith in our, in our military. All right, uh, who thinks that's a big lie? Fortunately, that was not true, but it is widely believed. Actually, according to Snopes.com, which I don't know if you've been to Snopes, but they, uh, they're a website dedicated to verifying or debunk, debunking urban legends and tall tales. Uh, this story has been around and widely believed since the 1970s, but it enjoyed a huge resurgence in the late 90s when email forwarding was popular. You guys remember email forwarding? Like, stop sending me stuff! But um, yeah, so it's, it's not true. There's not a shred of truth to it. 
Uh, I want to make sure I'm on the same page with, uh, with my people back there. Okay, so the, the slide that's up there, we're not going to show. Okay, I got a different one. I changed my mind. This one's better. Okay, now uh, here's one more. Uh, a man is arrested for illegally flying a helium balloon lifted lawn chair in restricted airspace in Los Angeles. Let me read that again. Man is arrested for illegally flying a helium balloon lifted lawn chair in restricted airspace in Los Angeles, California. And if you believe that was true, let's hear you. <laughs> if you guys believe that's false, what do you think? All right, you must remember it. Way back in 1982, Larry Walters attached 45 helium weather balloons to his lawn chair. 45, okay, some of them with a circumference of like eight feet wide. Um, he allegedly packed sandwiches and a case of beer for what he thought was going to be a nice little stroll to the Mojave Desert. Uh, he also brought a CB radio, uh, the other of which he gave to his wife on the ground, and a BB gun, you know, so you could shoot the balloons down when it's time to come down. That was seriously his plan. I found this week there's a 17-minute documentary on this story. You have got to watch it, okay? Don't watch it with your kids, but watch it because it's really, really funny. Uh, when his friends cut the cord, though, he shot up in the air so quickly that he was terrified to think of uh, shooting down the balloons at all. He actually went higher than any uh, person had ever gone in, in a balloon. Uh, eventually, he drifted into protected airspace over Los Angeles and was reported by many people. Uh, he did eventually get his act together and shoot down a few balloons, but uh, in his descent, he got caught in some power lines and caused a 20-minute power outage in the area. <laughs> yeah, Larry, all right. Um, Afterwards, officials said this, we know he broke some part of the Federal Aviation Act, and as soon as we decide which part it is, some type of file will be, charge will be filed. If he had a pilot's license, we'd suspend it, but he doesn't. <laughs> he tied balloons to a lawn chair and got stuck in the sky. Okay, and so what happens here is that it is no fun being with people who act this way who will sometimes come to a place and, and they tell you a story, they tell you you're going to do something, but they don't do it. Or they say they're going to keep a promise, but they don't keep it. Or they say they're going to uh, keep a, a commitment, but they don't com commit. The truth and lies game is not a game. And it's something that God takes very seriously. So what we're going to do today is we're going to continue in our beautiful contrast series. As we've gone through uh, the Sermon on the Mount over the last four or five weeks, and we've been looking at the words of Jesus on some really important issues. Today, he talks about being a truth teller. Uh, if you've got your Bibles today, go ahead and grab them. If you didn't bring one with you, I hope that you uh, will remember them in the future. Uh, but we do have them underneath your seats there if you want to grab one and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. And we're going to see what Jesus says about being a truth teller. Um, starting in verse 33. And so uh, as you turn there, let's just read this together. Jesus says, again, you've heard it said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. And anything beyond this comes from the evil one. 
Again, Jesus starts out referring to an Old Testament Jewish law. Uh, almost every section of this first part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts by referring to something from the Old Testament law. And the Jewish audience that would have been hearing Jesus would have been very familiar with this concept. What Jesus says is, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you've made. It's not so much a direct quote from one specific Old Testament law like he's done in the past. You shall not murder, uh, and, and you shall not commit adultery, and things like that. This is actually more of a summary of many of the principles found in Old Testament law. A few weeks ago, we talked about how the religious leaders, specifically the Pharisees, had gone and laid layers and layers and layers of rules and rules and rules and rules to the Old Testament law, so that their whole piety in living up to the law made it look like they were even better than the law. But what they did was they created religion. They created a difficult situation for people to actually stick to the principles of what God had laid out for them. Jesus wasn't a fan of this fact. He didn't like it at all. And so that's why throughout this whole Sermon on the Mount, he's been taking a Jewish law and then saying, listen, this is what you've heard it said, but I want you to know, God raises the bar on that. He raises the bar, we talked the first week, about, uh, about anger. And he says, you've got to get to the root, oh, he talks about murder, sorry, you shall not murder. But he said, we've got to get to the root of murder. Let's talk about anger. And then he talks about adultery. But he says, no, we've got to get to the root of adultery. You shouldn't even think lustful thoughts. And then this week we get into this conversation about oath-taking. See, they had taken this thing where they add rules and rules and rules and layers and layers and layers to the law to a whole different extreme with oath-taking. You know, they did this thing where they, they put a, a system of ranking oaths. Some oaths being more binding than others. Kind of the little uh, elementary school equivalent to crossing your fingers behind your back. You know, you can tell a story, but I cross my fingers. So everything I say after I cross my fingers doesn't count, right? That's what you did on the playground back in the day and stuff like that. Um, Mark Moore is a New Testament scholar. He gives a, basically a specific example, quoting from what Jesus says. He says, according to the Pharisees, swearing by heaven or earth or God's throne or Jerusalem, in their mind, wasn't as big a deal as by swearing by God himself. And so I might go somewhere and say, hey, listen, I want to buy this tract of land for you. Oh, yeah? Well, are you going to bring the money by on Thursday? Yeah, I'll bring it by on Thursday. I swear by Jerusalem. I'll have it there by Thursday, right? That sounds like a pretty good promise. I mean, you swear by Jerusalem. Thursday comes and goes, and you don't pay the bill. And I go knock on his door and say, hey, why didn't you pay the bill? Ah, you know, I decided not to do it. So I take it to the court, and the court says, well, what did he say? Well, he swore by Jerusalem. Yeah, well, if he swore by God's name, maybe that would have been more binding. But, you know, Jerusalem, it's not. You see, he's crossing his fingers behind his back. Jesus was all about showing the Pharisees and all the other onlookers that God's standards has been raised. And we've got to get to the root of this. Another English translation says it this way. Let your yes be yes. And let your no be no. And that should be all the credibility that you need. Because if you're seeking God with your life, you're to always be honest and truthful. We've got to make a distinction here as we go through this passage. Uh, Jesus is addressing what he calls oaths, O-A-T-H-S, oaths. Uh, and and uh, that's caused some confusion um, among Christians throughout the world, throughout time, uh, to the point where some Christians won't, for example, go into a court of law and place their hand on a Bible and say, you know, oh, I, I promise to tell the truth uh, by the Bible. Because they say, no, no, Jesus said we shouldn't take any oaths. Other people have problems with a thing like um, the Pledge of Allegiance. Why would I pledge allegiance to a flag? I should pledge allegiance to God. All those things are valid, and I really think you should look into them deeper. But I don't believe that's what Jesus is saying here. I, I'll tell you why. Because in the Bible, for example, we see Paul, a prolific writer, the, the composer of most of the New Testament 
he takes oaths, does trials under oath, and uh, even a couple times says this should be done. And it, it, it basically says, in God's name, this should be done. Jesus himself, while in trial in Matthew chapter 26, uh, before his crucifixion, he has to undergo trial and answer questions while under oath. So it seems, and also Jesus says, you know, we got to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. That's basically his thing, saying, look, the government does have power. There are times when we didn't know whether or not you're giving your word or not, and this is a way people can know. But his bigger point is this. The bottom line, it seems, is that we are to be truth tellers and people of integrity. Our culture is a culture of lies. That's why you can read news stories like I just read, and if you're on Facebook and you see things all the time, you're like, is this even real? Is this even, like, reliable? I can't even tell anymore. You can only take people at their word, and a lot of people's word is just no good. You know, uh, studies have been done, and it show that we, on average, are exposed to about 400 lies each day. 400 lies. Can you believe that? Actually, that's not true. That's not, I made that up. That's a lie. Um, but actually, the study showed that we are exposed to 200 200 lies per day. See how easy that is? Someone gets on a stage and just says something, and it's like suddenly I believe them. The study does show 200 lies per day. If you look at liespotting.com, which is a website with all kinds of statistics and studies about what they call deception studies, uh, it's the landing page for a book of the same name, uh, Lie Spotting. They cite data from thousands of studies on deception detection. And here are some of the findings that they say, just to kind of show you the kind of culture we live in, as if you didn't already know. Uh, like I said, we're exposed to some 200 lies per day. Over 70 75% of lies go completely undetected. Did you know that we're only about 54% accurate in detecting lies? That's, that's kind of scary. Like someone could lie to us and there's a pretty good chance that they'll get away with it. Uh, of the lies we tell, about 25% of them are for other people's good. And that might make us feel good for a second, like I did that for somebody else. Until you step back and think, wait, that means that 75% of the lies people tell are selfish lies. It's the world we live in. And this is one of the most upsetting facts, and I don't know if it hit you as hard as it hit me. It says that uh, with training and practice, a person's lying skills can be dramatically improved, up to twice as good. We're a culture of lies. Because it's easy. And so it's no surprise that Jesus takes the time in this big section of teaching as he's talking about other big issues of morality to talk about our integrity, our honesty, about truth-telling. Why do we lie? You hear those statistics and all of us are a little bit appalled, right? Like, really? Is that bad? But why, why do we lie? So I did some research this week. Um, I, well, I Googled it, which is, you know, like what we do today. We Google it. And I, I read a whole bunch of articles and, uh, and, and blogs and people who are supposed uh, specialists in understanding truth and deception. And as I read it all, I kind of collected all the, all the data that I found. And I boiled it down to kind of one main reason that I believe, at least, that we lie. I think you may agree with me. I believe that we lie because we think that it's good for us. Think about it. We lie because we think that it's good for us. Sometimes we lie to save face when otherwise we might just look stupid, right? Sometimes we lie because uh, it'll get us out of trouble when otherwise we might have been caught and gotten in trouble. Sometimes we lie because there's benefits involved, right? You can get to the front of a line because of this or that or you get some sort of benefit. Sometimes we lie just for the thrill of it. People lie as a game. Let me just see if I can get away with this. It becomes addictive. Some people lie as a way to help other people. Like a best friend 
who says that when you call them that your kid is spending the night at their house, but in reality they're off at some party somewhere, and they think they're looking out for their friend's best interests. We lie because we believe it's good for us. But here's the thing. Jesus wants us to contrast the world with truth. And that not only know that lies hurt us, but truth builds us. Lies have torn this world down, but truth, truth builds the world up. And that is what Jesus brings. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. And so what I want to do in our time that we have remaining today is take a look at uh, what I believe are, are three incentives for telling truth. Because you would look at lies and you would think, you know, lies, lies seem like they're good for me. And I think I want to lie. Why would I have an incentive to tell truth? I think as we look through what Jesus says here and some other things, uh, we, can, uh, we can find three things that truth builds. Truth builds, and these are what they are. The first thing is this. Truth builds relationships. Uh, truth builds relationships. God wants us to have good, healthy relationships. He does. In fact, when someone goes to Jesus once, they say, what, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment ever? What is the greatest commandment? And uh, Jesus says, well, the, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. That's the first greatest commandment. And the other one he says is love your neighbor as yourself. What's interesting about Jesus' uh, idea about what the greatest commandment is, is that they're both around relationships. He says, I want you to have a good, healthy relationship with me. How? Love. Love me. And he says, I want you to have a good relationship with the people of the world. Love. Love people of the world. How do we build relationships? We do it through love, and we do it by building trust. You know the best way to build trust in a relationship? If you're married, if you're in a long-standing relationship, whether it's a friendship, you'll know this is true. Okay, the best way to build trust in a relationship is truth. Why? Well, because I know you're reliable. I know that when you say that you're going to be somewhere, you're going to be there. I know that you say that you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And every time you say it, I believe it because it's the truth. And every little step of truth that we take builds trust, and that trust builds relationship. Truth builds relationship because it builds trust. Lies destroy trust. There's an old saying that says a person is only as good as their word. If you want people to take your word seriously, you got to understand how powerful it can be because it makes or breaks trust. Our words have power. Lies destroy trust, but truth builds trust, and in doing so, builds relationship. This epidemic of fake commitment in our world today it seems to be getting worse and worse. I can't tell you how many times I've made an appointment with somebody, and at the last minute, they, they've just canceled on me. Now, if that has been you at any point, I'm not calling you out, but it seems to be that it's really easy to back out of a commitment today. Uh, we, we manage volunteers at our church. I work with a big nonprofit that's statewide. Uh, I work with another pro nonprofit in, uh, in, in Little Washington, North Carolina. And all of them are dedicated, uh, run because of volunteers. And in this scenario, it's so crazy how often someone will commit to that, uh, that, that, that volunteering position, and then all of a sudden, they just back out last minute. What does that do? Well, it leaves the person in charge in a rut, leaves that team leader in, in a hard position. And why? So many times, there's not really a reason. I just changed my mind. Another problem that we have in our culture is our failure and fear to commit to things. We just won't commit to things. We need to be people who can say, I'm going to be reliable no matter what. And we can kill this epidemic. 
our words have value and we've got to be careful with them. And when we speak, we've got to make sure our words are true, whether it's bold-faced lying or just leaving a false impression on people about your intentions. False words destroy relationships and truth builds them. I've got to take a second to speak to parents and people who work with children all the time. This couldn't be more true than when it comes to children. We say things to kids all the time. I, I, you know what, buddy? I'm going to go to every single soccer game this year. And then we don't. I'm not going to be late to pick you up for school again. But then we are. We're not going to be late for dinner, but we are. I promise I'll play that game with you. But then time runs out, and we just don't. And, and, and here's the thing. A lot of times those things have good reasons that they happen, right? But kids, they still believe that yes means yes and no means no. And so we make commitments to them, and then their fragile worldview begins to crumble. And they fall into this whole vicious cycle of not knowing whether I can trust somebody. Truth builds relationships. So that's the first thing that I think truth builds, and that's what Jesus really wants us to stand on. Truth builds something else. Truth builds godly character. Truth builds godly character. And this should be a second motivator for telling truth and being a truth teller and a person of integrity. Uh, to really understand the whole idea of being a truth teller and how it builds godly character, first we've got to step back and understand who God is. God is truthful. He's trustworthy. He's reliable. In Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, uh, this is what we learn about God. He says, this is uh, the writer of Numbers, probably Moses, says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? In other words, it's like, look, what do you think God is? You think God's some human that's going to lie to you? When God makes a promise, he's going to follow through. God is a God of promises, and he's never broken a promise. When we speak truth, we build godliness in our life. Man, if you thought lying would be good for you, imagine what godliness would do for you, right? If we want to build a life... Let's not look for something that's going to tear us down. Let's look for something that's going to build us up. But it goes even deeper than that. Listen to this, and it's actually tagged on what Jesus says in Matthew chapter uh, 6. The Bible teaches um, that God is truth, but this, in John 8, 44, it says that the devil is called the father of lies. The devil is the father of lies. Take that in for a second. When we speak truth, we're like God. We're speaking God's language. But when we speak lies, we're speaking in Satan's tongue. Lies bring darkness. They oppose godliness. They create bondage. Lies lead to more lies. If you've ever been caught in the cycle of lies, you tell a little one here, and then I've got to tell another one to cover that one up, and then you've got to make up a whole other story why that meant. And then you've got to be careful. Like, what did I say to this person? What did I say to that person? Because I'm not going to keep my story straight. Lies build. Lies build. Lies destroy. The devil is the father of lies. Jesus says in John 8, 31, if you hold to my teachings, you're my real disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This isn't Jesus teaching us to speak truth. Actually, uh, this is Jesus showing us the power of truth. Truth means freedom because truth leads to God. And the path to the deepest truth begins when we can be truthful in our character. Truth builds godly character. When you say you're going to pay for something, pay for it. Why? Because that's what God would desire from your life, that you would follow through in your commitments. When you say that you're going to work for 40 hours a week, work it. Don't cheat your time card. Work it. Why? Because God wants you to be a person of integrity who does your best, even at your job, even if you hate your job. You want to be a person of truth. If you vow to be faithful to your mate, then be faithful 
to your mate no matter what. You know why? Because God is faithful to us no matter what, even when we're not faithful to him. Truth is not always easy, but it's always the godly way. Godliness can help us see the big picture. And you'll see that truth sets you free by building your character to a character like God's. And the more you do, you'll more, the more you'll see that the world sees God. Patrick preached it a few weeks ago. The world will see our good deeds, but they'll give thanks to God who is in heaven. So while I'm here, let me take a little step to the side and talk about this. Uh, because when we're talking about truth building godly character, I think it's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, Jesus is teaching once in Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little is also dishonest with much. Now, Jesus is talking about monetary wealth here. Okay, there's a lesson in that. We need to be faithful with our money. But the principle Jesus is teaching here is once again about truth and dishonesty. He says, if you can be trusted with little, then you can be trusted with much. And if you'll be deceptive with little, you'll be deceptive with a lot. No one sets out to be a world-class con, do they? No one wants to be out there and like, I'm, I'm cheating Vegas and I'm doing all this stuff. No one sets out to do that. No one goes directly from a level A to a level Z liar. It starts at level A, then you work your way up to level B, and level C. Before you know it, you're at D or E, but you're like, it's not that bad, because i still got a ways to go, and I'm not as bad as that person, but the problem is you start out as a kid, maybe cheating on something that your parents told you not to do, and then in school, you're cheating on a test, and then the next thing you know, uh, you're an adult, and you've cheated a, a waitress out of her tip, or maybe you've walked out without paying, and then the next thing you know, you've cheated on your taxes, and then you've cheated on a spouse, and wow, that escalated. And just like the very beginning of this whole series, it's talking about getting to the roots of things. And that's why when it comes to truth and lies, i got to be clear here. I don't believe there's any such a thing as a little white lie. The devil is the father of lies. And any lie, whether big or small, is a devil talk. I don't know about you, but I don't want any of that on my tongue. I want to be a truth speaker, a truth teller, someone who has got integrity, someone who is honest. And Jesus says, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no, period. And when we become people of truth, something happens in us. Not only is truth something that we do from time to time, because you know what? It'd be the right thing to tell the truth right here. But it becomes a part of who we are. Not only is it something that's happening in us, but it's something that now God can begin to do through us. We become people of truth because we begin to build this relationship with God. We begin to build this godliness. And then the third thing that truth builds, which I think is maybe the most appealing thing of it all, is that truth builds legacy. Truth builds legacy. Truth and integrity become something that you're known for. Think about your old grandma or your old granddad, and then there was that moment when it was at their funeral, and someone was like, man, they were just good, you know? You ever known a scumbag that passed away? <laughs> yeah, I have. And you're kind of like, man, well, yep, <laughs> there goes that. Truth builds legacy. Sadly, lies can ruin legacy. Sometimes the easiest way to see a truth is to look at the converse of that truth. And so I believe truth builds legacy, but I think what I want to do to illustrate that is to show that lies can tear down legacy. I'm a big sports fan. I love sports. I'm always talking smack about the Dallas Cowboys. My friend William reminded me we got, what, 90 days till the Giants and the Cowboys play, and we're going, we're going to 
do it up right, man. We love football. I love uh, the Olympics are coming up. I've loved the NBA finals that are on right now. I watch it. I can't, I can't, I love when, when like curling is on TV. You remember this show, throw the big stone across the ice. Like, yay! It's still sliding across the ice, but I love it. I love sports. And um, sports is a kind of a microcosm where we can see how truth and lies really affect our life and legacy. Uh, I want to show you some faces and, and some names and, and, and let you see what I mean. Let me give you a name. The first name is Tiger Woods. Tiger held rock star status. At one point I read somewhere that he was like the second or third most recognizable face in the world. He's, he brought golf to a whole new level. People who could care less about golf or turn it on TV to watch Tiger play or to see how he did. But he lost everything when he was busted in lies and, and multiple affairs. And now uh, his life story will always have an asterisk beside his name. Liar. Cheater. Took some time off of golf. I think it really affected his game. He's still really good. I mean, like, I don't think I could beat him. <laughs> but it changed his whole legacy. What would it have been like if Tiger had sought out integrity instead of deceit? Food for thought. Another name, Lance Armstrong. Man, I read so much on Lance as I was getting ready for this. I didn't really know a lot about his story. And I got to tell you, Lance Armstrong is, Armstrong is easily one of the most inspiring athletes of all time. Not only was he multiple-time Tour de France winner and has all kinds of other accolades and medals for decades, but uh, if you didn't realize this, which I do remember this, he, he actually got cancer and then started this whole Livestrong campaign. Maybe you've seen people with the yellow bracelets. And his inspiration getting through cancer, man, his story has helped thousands of people in their struggle through cancer. But listen, in 2012, he was stripped of all his medals. After a scandal finally came to the surface, he was found to have uh, used performance-enhancing drugs. He had denied these allegations for years. I wish maybe the first time someone had called him out, he was like, you know what? Yeah, I need to come clean. You know, he still would have had a bad rap, but he could still have raced and probably been really good. But instead, he hid in the lies. And now his legacy will forever include an asterisk beside his name. Liar. Pete Rose. Some of you might remember him. Baseball player. Probably should be in the Hall of Fame right now. Killer baseball player, but got caught in a scandal involving throwing a game and gambling, and it was a big, fat mess. And what if he had just chosen the high road and been a person of integrity and truth, but now forever he will have an asterisk beside his name, liar, and may never, ever end up in the Baseball Hall of Fame where he probably deserves to be. More recently, a guy named Joe Paterno. You heard of this guy? World-class football coach. But he was caught in decades of lies when at the end of a 45-year career as one of the best college football coaches alive, uh, he was caught in the cover-up of, of child abuse and, and molestation, and it was ugly. And he, there were layers and layers of lies and deceit. And, you know, to kind of put a nail in that coffin of kind of how that goes down, in 2012, while he was in the middle of the allegations and he was front-page news, he passed away of cancer. And so the subtitle of his own funeral, asterisk, liar. Lies can destroy legacy, but truth can build legacy. Listen, these are high-profile cases, and I'm not suggesting that there's no redemption for these people. Man, I, I know there is. Jesus can forgive us of our sin no matter what it is. No matter what type of attitude we've had, no matter what type of, uh, of, of background we've had, Jesus says, come to me, come to the cross. I've hung on this thing for you because I want to forgive you of your sins, but you've got to turn to me. So if lies has been your thing, don't think that you're just going to forever have this asterisk in Jesus' book. But I do know in this world, 
People have a hard time trusting you. And Jesus says, bring that to me. If we can only go before God and before our friends and family and say, I made a mistake. And I'm taking care of it. And I'm trusting God for forgiveness. The world is full of stories who have done that. You look through the Bible and you think about someone like King David. That guy caught in the biggest cover-up scandal of, you know, of, of history, maybe, because it's so famous. I don't know if you know his whole story, but he, he, uh, he, he, had, he committed adultery with this lady in his kingdom. Uh, she was married, and she got pregnant, and then it turns out that her husband was some you know, really good soldier in the field. And so what he does is he eventually, there's a long story, but he eventually has that soldier killed off to cover up the whole scandal. That's bad. Adultery, murderer. You add that to the list, you're like, eesh. God caught him in the lie when the prophet Nathan comes to him and just says, hey, you're the man who did all this. We've got to get things right between you and God. David laments over his sin. He takes it to God and says, listen, I've been a liar, but I've got to come clean. And then there may have been some places where other people had a hard time trusting David when he was near their wife. He goes down in history. As a man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says about him. And it says that after he had done everything that God required from him for his generation, he passed away. God can take lies in our life and he can turn them around. Why? Because Jesus forgives sin. That's the full gospel. That's the message that this lady was hoping to hear this morning. I hope you're hearing it clear. Jesus forgives our sin no matter what it is, but we've got to come to a point where we say, stop. Stop the lies. Jesus says, let your yes be yes, let your no be no, and then let me deal with the rest. So today I've got a challenge for us. Um, here's our challenge. Let's be people of truth. Let's do it. Let's be people of truth, people of integrity, truth tellers, people who can stand before our friends, family, relatives, coworkers, and neighbors and say, you can trust me. And maybe you haven't been trustworthy in the past. Take it to God. Work on that. Truth builds relationships. Truth builds godliness. Truth builds legacy. And this past week, I've been really aware of my own integrity because of studying this. It's funny, the Bible is funny like that. When you study the Bible, it really helps to change your heart. And so I've been really conscious of the little things. There was a meeting I was supposed to be at on Monday night, for example. And uh, the meeting was at 6.30. I had known days in advance that I had to be at this meeting, so I told my wife, listen, I need to be at this meeting at uh, 6.30 on Monday night. Um, typically, I'm home by then, and if Lindsay needs to go off and do something, she'll go off and do it, and, and so I'll be, you know, I'll be home with the kids. But just want to make sure you know I got, I got to be at this meeting. Lindsay's like, cool, we'll make plans. Well, it was around 5, 5.30. Lindsay uh, remembered she needed to go grab something from the grocery store, and so I'm like, cool. Meeting slips my mind. Meeting's gone, right? Lindsay goes off shopping. I'm hanging out with my kids, we're playing some games or whatever, and all of a sudden, I realize, shoot, the meeting. I look down, it's like 6.15 or 6.20. I'm not going to make it on time, and by the time I get up with Lindsay and she finishes what she's doing and she gets all the way back to watch the kids, I'm not even going to make it. Now, here, here's the thing. I think, oh man, I, I can't make this meeting. So be, immediately, I begin to text the guys that I'm supposed to get up with, and um, I say this. I say, hey guys, can't make it, got to watch my kids. That's my, that's my first thought. Got to watch my kids. And I'm like, no, 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 that doesn't sound good enough. Now, it, it just so happened that earlier that day, my daughter had been sick. And I was like, actually, she's yeah, I heard a cough a minute ago. Let me change that. So I'm like, can't make it, got to hum with my sick daughter. 
yeah, that sounds really good. It makes me feel like a really good dad. Like I'm staying with my sick daughter. And so this is going through my mind. Should, should I text him? I didn't actually type that. I'm just thinking that. Here's the problem. That was a lie. Like, I didn't have to stay home with my kids. In fact, I had already told my wife that I had a meeting and she had made arrangements to be home. My daughter wasn't so ill that, like, I couldn't even just throw her in the car and drive and she could sit, like, in the meeting with me. Like, that, I was trying to make myself look good if I had texted that. It wouldn't have been true. So I sit and I think about that. I'm like, you know what? I'm convicted by truth right now. I've got to be a truth teller no matter what. I forgot the meeting. So I grabbed my phone and said, guys, I'm gonna, not going to be able to make it. The meeting completely slipped my mind. Sorry about that. And guess what? It didn't hurt. <laughs> didn't hurt at all, at all. In fact, one of the guys texted me back. He said, uh, no problem. We'll take notes for you. It happens. What was I scared of? What good did I think it would do for me if I had just slightly altered the truth? Did I have to be home with my kids? Well, yeah, I did. But that's not the reason I wasn't going to be able to make the meeting. The reason was because I forgot. Look, that's a small little story. I don't always make the best decisions. I try my best. The Holy Spirit inside of me guides me. I read the Bible, and I told you this week, after reading the Bible, it inspired me to do the things that Jesus would have me do. Jesus says, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. But here's the thing. I want to be a person who is known for integrity. I want to be a truth teller. Don't you? I want to be a person who's reliable. I want to be a person that people can go to me and say, if Chris says he's going to do something, I can trust him. Don't you? Don't we all? My challenge this week, and for the rest of our lives, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Be people of integrity. Because truth builds relationships. Most importantly, truth builds godliness, and a beautiful fringe benefit of it is that truth builds legacy. Of all the original disciples that followed Jesus, the original 12, uh, there was a guy named John. John lived the longest. He's got a cool legacy. Uh, he wrote many books in the New Testament. And there's something that he wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 that I've got to read to you. Because what he does is he makes a comparison between truth and lies and light and darkness. We say all the time here that our goal as we are God chasers is to shine light into dark places. And this is what John says in 1 John 1, 5 through 7. He says, this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie. We don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us. From all sin. Let's walk in the light. Let's be truth tellers. Let's be people of integrity. Truth builds godliness. Truth builds relationships. Truth builds legacy. And at the end of the day, you're only as good as your word anyway. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And living like that is the beautiful contrast that Jesus wants us to shine into the world. Let me just pray for us today. God, as we face the truth of our reality, probably the biggest truth is that you are good and we are not. You are so lovely. And as I think about the amount of grace that you pour on us, on me, everyone in this room, I'm just thankful. Because as you talk about truth and lies, 
let your yes be yes, let your no be no. The reality is so often we find it easy to just let truth slip. And we, we fudge numbers here and there. We fudge hours and we mess around with our verbiage so that we can sound better than we really are. And we tell people that we, <laughs> we've lost this much weight when actually it was like two pounds less. And all these little things, they pile up to nothing if we don't ground ourselves in your truth. So Lord, I praise you that despite the fact that we're not perfect, that you bring us truth. The truth that Jesus is the only way to God's salvation. I pray for our church family as we're stepping into a summer season, as school's letting out, that we can take this side, it's time to build our relationship with you. And we can be in your word, we can be praying, we can be in fellowship with each other. And that your truth sets us free. But we love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.